Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of The Last Generation. This is Tammy, your host, and thank you again for joining me. And so, uh, first of all, I hope everybody is having a very happy and safe Memorial Day weekend. Um, And I want to say to all of the veterans out there to thank you very much for your service. So, here's a question. Um, One of the things that I kind of want to piggyback on the last episode uh, that I I posted about, um, you know, the importance of educating uh, last generation people on their rights and uh, having advocacy. And so uh, this led me to um, thinking about how this applies in a lot of cases, like uh, especially in medical treatment. Um, there's, uh, this is a topic that I kind of shot around the room before, uh, coming up with a way to, uh, present it, uh, because I don't know about, about you, but one of the things that's very, very important to me and because of circumstances and things like that, that's happened in my life over the years is maintaining accurate medical records and, one challenge that um, I've had that I've experienced myself, and I know a few of my other friends have too, is what happens when a person is by themselves, you know, say you have to go to an emergency room by yourself, or say you have to go to um, a medical procedure by yourself, and um, you are trying to get your medical history accurately reported. Um, One of the challenges that I've had a lot in the state that I live in now is um, accuracy of of medical reporting. Um, And this started, uh, one of the incidents that I had is um, I had a when I uh, started getting employment, actually when I got employed and I had my insurance, uh, there was one uh, weekend where I was really getting the flu really bad and it was causing me to have a little bit of difficulty breathing. And when I went to the emergency room, um, I was by myself. the person that I was living with at the time uh, was not there and it was getting to the point that I had to do something and so I took myself to the emergency room and I was just having a lot of flu-like symptoms. Well, I did mention that I had, you know, this is a few years, about three or four years after I had the, uh, the surgery in 2009 and I'm also in a different state. And so um, when I checked into the emergency room and they gave me the uh, information to fill out on my medical history, and the thing is, is I have had a lot of surgeries. I'm not going to lie. I've had quite a few. Um, And uh, one of them was, you know, of course, the surgery that happened in 2009. And... The one question, of course, that's on the or that's on the um, check-in paperwork is, do you have a history of pulmonary embolisms or blood clots? And yes, I do, because I've had surgery for them. And so, when I 
went into the triage and they were giving me the interview, they were asking me about my about the situation with the blood clots. And one of the things that happened when I had the surgery in 2009, because uh, like I said, the left side was completely blocked, the right side was only partially blocked, but the clot went into some of the smaller blood vessels into the lung. And um, unfortunately, that's uh, one of the things that's causing a condition that I have right now. And so I have some uh, you know, pieces of blood clot that's stuck in a blood vessel, but it's not serious. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's not really serious, um, cause it can't move anywhere. And so when they ran, they decided to run a CT scan, which I'm not going to say was a bad call. And of course I'm not medically trained, but, um, that does make sense. It did make sense to me, but they said I had another clot. And that's not what was happening. They had found the clot that got caught in the blood vessels and they wanted the medical records from uh, the place that I had the surgery or the hospital I had the surgery from, which I had at home, but the person that I lived with at the time uh, wasn't home. And so I was admitted overnight into the hospital, but it turned out that I just had a bad flu which is what I went in for in the first place. And so, yes, I was discharged the next day. But the, when I was um, discussing this, because I did want to talk to uh, the hospital about it, and one of the things that they said is, well, you know, you mentioned you have a history of blood clots. I said, well, yes, I did, but I had a surgery that removed them. And, you know, they were basically saying that during the time that I was talking to Uh, the triage nurse, I did not mention that I had the surgery in 2009, which is not accurate. And even if they look on, if they looked at the paper, the, uh, you know, the check-in paperwork, they would have seen that I would have documented that because I did. And um, that's, you know, of course, this is not the only time I've had to fight with uh, inaccuracies with medical records. Um, I just had a procedure done recently, and the person that was doing the um, the testing wrote down that I had open-heart surgery, and I don't have open-heart surgery. This was a lung surgery that they had to go through the chest in order to do. And, you know, so there's a, you know, when it comes to uh, the reporting, they documented it in the chart that I had open heart surgery, which is not accurate. And so, um, of course, one of the challenges that uh, we have is when there is a, you know, the patient advocate is not offered until the person is actually admitted into the hospital. So the question that I have, and uh, of course, uh, there's other episodes that I've had too. This is something that I've that I've really uh, had to address a lot during my lifetime. Um, I've lost my military career uh, because of an inaccurate uh, something that was that was reported inaccurately in the hospital record. You know, so there's a lot of consequences that people can have as a result of inaccurate reporting, and. 
So the question is, and this is specifically, especially for last generation people, if they're by themselves or they, in, you know, common sense, in my opinion, would say, well, they list an emergency contact. So should the emergency contact be, you know, be contacted uh, if there's going to be some questioning or if they need to have more uh, information on um if they need to have more information in regard to a medical record. And for me, that was a big challenge when it comes to emergency contacts because the closest emergency contact I have is about 900 miles away. And so if there was anything that they needed, um, that they needed sent or anything that they, that they needed, it wouldn't be able to get there very quickly. Um, you know, and so there's, that could be one, that could be one possibility, but what if somebody doesn't have an emergency contact? What if somebody is, or they're far away from their emergency contact, or they don't, or they don't have uh, somebody with them um, in a in an event of a very serious emergency where they cannot, they either, um, you know, if they're speaking for themselves. How can we make sure that a lot of this information is documented correctly? Um, because how much of that can impact care and how much of that can impact, um, you know, things that are, um, that could, you know, eventually end up being a, a very difficult situation. And there's, you know, like I say, it's, this is something that has caused me a lot of fighting uh, over, you know, since I've lived here because none of the doctors that I have in the state that I live in treated anything that was connected with my surgery in 2009. And so they don't know the history and they don't know what happened. And, you know, they don't know what some of the recommendations were. And so it, it is difficult for doctors to even, you know, give care if they, if they don't know how badly uh, something has been impacted by you knowing a person's history. And so, you know, the, but main thing is, is the, is accurate reporting. Cause if you have inaccurate reporting, and um, as I mentioned, I work in the mental health profession and accurate reporting in a chart is really crucial. And um, so when it comes to documenting things in a chart and something that's gonna follow you, you know, this is gonna follow, uh, you know, any medical care is gonna follow you all the way up to, you know, up to the time that you, that you die or whatever. But here's another thing too, is that how many times do people have to change hospitals or do people have to change providers because of changes in insurance or changes in, you know, other areas? And so if there is a lot of inaccurately reported uh, stuff in a medical record, you know, how can that impact the care of the patient if they have to go to another provider? And so, um, you know, this is a good question for discussion and what should happen should there be an advocate while a person is being triaged would be another uh, solution is that should hospitals make a patient advocate or somebody be available 
while they're going through the triage process. So then that way they can, um, there's a checks and balance system in a way, if, if you will, or what is the checks and balance situations in a hospital? And should that be made known to the patients? Because if there is a checks and balance situation where they say, hey, when I was in this test and this person reported this and that's not, I don't have that. And that's, you know, something that's, that's inaccurate. Um, that's, you know, that can be a problem. Uh, one surgery that I had, um, I was given a prescription of a drug that I was allergic to. And I had to literally flag down a nurse and say, hey, I can't take this because I'm allergic to it. And when they looked it up in the chart, they said, oh, yep, you're right, you're allergic to it. And I'm like, well, I told you I was allergic to it. But it was documented in the chart that I was allergic to it. So, you know, where with, especially with the challenges that healthcare has, and especially with last generation people, if they don't have somebody who is, um, you know, coming into care that needs to have somebody sit with them to go, you know, to review their history, or if they want to make sure that the history is reported accurately, or if they've had a lot of bad incidences where um, medical information was reported incorrectly, um, you know, that can, of course, later impact a, a patient's care. And another thing um, that's also important to this discussion is what happens when the person is impaired. If you have somebody who comes in who's living by themselves and they don't have somebody as an emergency contact or they don't have uh, somebody who can speak for them and they're impaired, you know, do, you know, I'm hoping that everybody gets treated with dignity and respect. And, you know, when it comes to getting medical history, sometimes that can be incredibly difficult. And so, you know, with, uh, especially with electronic medical records, I mean, that's coming, that's becoming uh, a very important tool. And I'm glad that we have it uh, because then that information can be, um, you know, can be transported. However, what about past stuff that needs to be put in a uh, in an electronic medical record? And, um, you know, that some of the things that could be very important to a patient's care so that this information is reported accurately. So that's something to think about. And I uh, would like to hear some feedback. And uh, so thank you very much for joining me. And I'll see you on the next episode.